Welcome to the Well Community Jokes. So I'm excited to be continuing our series. I am Jesus in His own words, and tonight we're going to be exploring another one of the seven I am statements in the Gospel of John, and we're doing this because. People have a lot of questions and opinions about who Jesus is, and especially around Easter, that seems to be heightened. That's part of the reason I even want to do this Easter egg scavenger hunt that also ties in and weaves in the gospel story, that it's not just about bunnies and chocolate eggs, but that it's actually about the person of Jesus conquering death. So the questions that people ask today are actually very similar to the questions that people asked back in Jesus' day when he walked this earth. So what better way than to get to know him than by going directly to Jesus and seeing what he said about himself that we have record of in the Bible. So last week we looked at the beginning of John, chapter 10, verses 1 through 10, where Jesus said, I am the gate for the sheep. And we talked about how we need to learn his voice, how we need to trust his protection, and how we need to know his grace. And the reason we need to learn this is because when Jesus says, I am the gate, of course he's saying, I am fully God and fully human in that one concise I am statement. But as he says the full, I am the gate, he's saying that he's the only one that can bring our soul to a place of peace safety. He's saying that we need to learn to live within the God-created boundaries and parameters designed to protect us in order to live life to the full. And this is where we start pushing up against it. We start wrestling. We start maybe feeling uneasy because we might not always like what's best for us. We might not always want what's best for us. We might not even agree with what we think God has that's best for us, but we have to trust it. I believe that by trusting in God's protection, we will discover that he is good. So tonight we're picking up right where we left off in John chapter 10, verses 11 to 21. So if you have your Bible or your Bible on your phone, you can turn there now. So you can be sure that what I'm saying is coming directly from Scripture. So I'll give you a moment to turn there. So John, chapter 10, starting in verse 11. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks the flock and scatters it. The man runs away because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep and my sheep know me, just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. The reason my father loves me is that I lay down my life only to take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and authority to take it up again. 
This command I received from my father. Well, the Jews who heard these words were again divided. Many of them said, he is demon-possessed and raving mad. Why listen to him? But others said, these are not the sayings of a man possessed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I am the good shepherd. So when the Bible was written, it didn't come with chapter numbers, verse numbers, or the fancy paragraph headings letting you know what's coming up. It was just a long text. The rest didn't start getting added and developed until around the 13th century. And I tell you this because in verse 21, when some people are asking, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? This is referring to the beginning of chapter 9, when Jesus heals a man who's born blind. And this is when some of the Pharisees start asking their questions because they get upset with what Jesus is doing. He healed that man on the Sabbath. So they start asking the questions, how can Jesus be from God if he's working on the Sabbath? That goes against our our beliefs, our customs, our, our religion. But then they start asking, how can he not be from God? Because how could an ordinary sinner do such a miracle? The question essentially boils down to who is Jesus? And it's the same question that many people are still asking today. So in the first part of John chapter 10, which we read last week, Jesus says, I'm the gate. I am your protector. And in these verses, Jesus now says, I am your leader. Jesus is talking about inviting him to become our life leader. Because if you trust in his protection if you believe he knows what's best for you and that he will take care of you, then our response ought to be to listen to him and follow him. But this is where people take issue with Jesus again. It's almost this sense of, who made you God? And he responds, I am. He's claiming his deity, his divinity. So in verses 11 to 13, Jesus warns us that there are three kinds of leaders in this world. In every aspect or avenue of life, we find three basic types of leaders. There's wolves, there's hired hands, and there's shepherds. So I want to go through each one. The first one, there are leaders who are wolves. These are the self-serving leaders. They're in it for themselves and for their own gain. They hurt their followers because they want to take something from them or use them for their own benefit. If you've ever felt like you were just a pawn being used to help someone get something else, that's that kind of leadership. And unfortunately, there are a lot of leaders like this in our world today. And it's not just the obvious ones like dictators and terrorists. I think about fathers who abuse their trust with their children or employers who refuse to care for their employees. Or as Pastor Steve even referenced a couple weeks ago, there are even pastors who've fallen into this category. They start off meaning well, but at some point along the way, they lose sight of Jesus. They lose sight of the the leader, the good shepherd. And it becomes about them. And we have to be so careful about making celebrities out of our pastors because the only one that we should be making famous is Jesus. 
And that's why our mission here at The Well is to make Jesus known so that lives and communities will be transformed. Because it's not about us. It's all about him. But unfortunately, in society today, and in many businesses today, it's about the bottom line. It's about profit first. So it used to be about something, about making something worthwhile, caring for your workers, contributing to the well-being of the local community. But now it seems to be about the bottom line. You hire, you fire. If it's not immediately profitable, you close the doors, you reopen somewhere else where it will be cheaper, or maybe you can get a tax break. But I was actually talking to a campus pastor from a mega church in the U.S. a few years ago. And he told me that their church opened a location in Toronto. But they weren't happy with it. They weren't happy with it because it was a congregation of about 400 people. And I'm like, what? If that's the case, we should have closed our doors years ago. (laughs) So I explained our Canadian culture and context to him a bit, that a 400-person church is considered a large church. Mega church doesn't really take effect till 2000, but 400 people is a big church. Even in the States, the average attendance is about 65 people right now. So 400 is phenomenal. But the conversation broke my heart because if they weren't happy reaching 400 people, then what's the motivation? Like, was there a magic number that they needed to reach or did it simply come down to profitability? And are 400 people not worth it? You see, I'd rather follow a leader who's willing to leave the 99 sheep behind and go out looking after that one. Jesus says in Luke 5, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. That's a good shepherd. That's someone who understands, who knows what's best. We're we're here to reach our community, people who don't know Jesus. It's not just to keep maintaining the status quo, to simply get by and survive. We're here to to thrive, to, to encourage and spur one another on for good works and to reach our community with the hope of Jesus Christ. And this is why I love our relationship with Gateway Church in Caledonia. They're our sponsor church or partner church, mother church, whatever you want to call them. But they are willing to take risks. They're willing to try new things. They're, they're willing to financially support new initiatives. All to see people reached with the love of Jesus. We're not their first church plant. They've planted in Brantford and Cayuga and Ancaster. And we're actually the second one here in Binbrook. When I called up Steve that very first time, he's like, well, we've already tried Binbrook, but tell me what's on your heart. I'm like, well, this community is. And I remember that first phone call so clearly because I just met with another denominational leader from a different denomination, and he had a very hopeless view of the future of the church. And I came home to Amanda, and I was so discouraged. And I'm like, this is what he thinks the future of the church is going to be. So then I'd been hearing people say, you need to talk to Steve Kerr, and I called him up, and within five minutes, this guy's excitement just lifted my mood and my spirit, and he was excited about what Jesus was doing 
and he wanted in on it. So much so that I had put out the challenge to God that, hey, we need to live in the community. And we bought the house even before partnering with Steve and Gateway, which freaked him out, which freaked us out. But he saw Jesus at work. So we need to be alert and watch out for the type of leaders who are wolves and who are only out for themselves. The second type of leader that Jesus identifies are hired hands. These are self-preserving leaders. They're not out to use you in the same way like you're a pawn, but when the going gets tough, they split. They're gone. They run away from their flock, and they make sure to take care of themselves before caring for those in their care. Now, of course, this is a bit of a balancing act here because we need to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves in order to properly care for others, just like the whole oxygen mask illustration, put yours on in the airplane first and then help those who are around you. But Jesus isn't saying here, don't take care of yourself. Instead, he's pointing out that a leader who is simply a hired hand cares more about protecting themselves without even thinking about protecting those in their care. If trouble comes, bam, they're gone. If accusations are made, it's their fault. Hired hands don't watch over the animals as carefully as the owner does. And as a result, they fail to care for the sheep. They fail to lead well. And small business owners, those who are self-employed, I'm sure you get this. I grew up in a family that's had a family business for 100 years now. And you throw all of yourself into what you're doing. And when you hire others to come around you and support you and help carry the weight and further the mission of your business, it sometimes feels like, ah, they just don't care as much as I do. And it's true, because they're simply doing the job as a hired hand. And there's nothing wrong with being hired hand, but basically, they're not the leaders you want to trust with your life. Jesus is saying, don't look to the hired hands as your life leaders. The sheep are not their own. They're not going to take care of you. They're not going to have your best interests in mind. So then Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. The last type of leader that Jesus identifies are shepherds. And these are servant leaders. They put the interests of the sheep ahead of their own wants and needs. And these leaders will sacrifice themselves for the good of the sheep. And not only that, but Jesus goes on to say in verse 16, I have other sheep that are not of this sheep pen. I must bring them also. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. You see, it's lovely to think about the whole me and Jesus ideal, and how much Jesus loves me. And he he does. Don't get me wrong. He loves you immensely. But Jesus is also gathering and expanding his kingdom. The original sheep that Jesus is talking about here are the people of Israel. But as Israel's prophets and writers had always hinted, God was never interested only in Israel. His heart is for the entire world. 
The other sheep refers to others from every nation under heaven that God intends to save through Jesus, the good shepherd. But our word good doesn't quite catch the word's full meaning. For us, good comes off a bit moralistic. You have good versus bad. But the word used here can also mean And it doesn't refer to what Jesus looked like, but rather it's about the sheer attractiveness of what Jesus is doing as our good shepherd. In this passage, the religious leaders were aware that Jesus was making the Jewish hope of general resurrection the personal and specific aim of his own work. And this upset them offended them. Verse 15, Jesus says, I sacrifice my life for the sheep. Verse 17, the Father loves me because I sacrifice my love so I may take it back again. And verse 18, no one can take my life from me. I sacrifice it voluntarily. I have the authority to lay it down when I want to and also take it up again. You see, the point of Jesus The point of calling Jesus the good shepherd is to emphasize the radical and compelling power of his love. When he calls, people want to come. When they realize that he's died for them, they want him even more. Friends, Jesus made this outrageous claim that only he is a perfect servant John 10, 8 says, all who have come before me are thieves and robbers, meaning that all of us compared to Jesus are in the other two categories. Only he is the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And this sometimes feels uncomfortable to think about because I want to try and be a shepherd and a servant leader, but he is the only perfect servant leader. He is the only leader who will never let you down. As the good shepherd, Jesus says that he deserves and demands a loyalty and a first place position in your heart. He says, only I can lead you where you need to go. And this claim made so many people angry that they declared that Jesus was demon possessed, that he was crazy You see, a lot of people like to think about Jesus as a good moral teacher. But the argument is, these religious leaders didn't look at him as a good moral leader. They looked at him as demon-possessed, and as crazy, as someone who's lost his mind. So nowadays, when, when we hear, oh yeah, like Jesus, he was a good guy, he taught us good stuff, like there's a disconnect there. They don't truly understand who Jesus is because he's either a lunatic and he's off his rocker or he he is who he says he is. And that is fully God and fully man. You see, throughout John's gospel, Jesus consistently tells people who he is. But in each case, the problem isn't intellectual. It's not that these religious leaders and teachers of the law didn't know their scriptures. Rather, the problem was an unwillingness of the heart 
to respond to the challenge of the saying. They didn't want to believe it. They just, there was the disconnect. They couldn't get their heads around it. There was a refusal to believe. Jesus says, I am the good shepherd. I will lead you to green pastures. I will make sure you're safe. I will protect you. I will provide for you. But you need to give me the first place position in your heart. You need to make me your life leader. So to answer the question for tonight of who is Jesus, Jesus is the only one who will never lead you astray. Our response ought to be to listen to him and to follow him. So as I wrap up, I I just want to leave you with a few questions that might help get you thinking, get you sensing where the Holy Spirit might be speaking to you tonight. So the first question is just, are, are you following Jesus? Not do you believe in Jesus, are you actually following him? Is he first in your life? And if not, what do you need to do to change that? The pivotal moment for me was when a pastor said, if your relationship with Jesus is stagnant, go back to the last thing he asked you to do and do it. And for me, that was youth ministry. And it scared the bejeebers out of me. But I'm so glad I did that. Have you made your commitment to Jesus public by following him in the act of baptism? If not, I'd love to help you take your next step. I'm dying to have a baptism service here. (laughs) And I'd love to dedicate more babies and the the families who, who are saying, we want to dedicate our kids to the Lord and to following the ways of Jesus. Essentially, I want to ask tonight, are you growing in your relationship with Jesus? Are you listening to him and following him as your good shepherd? So I want to do something different tonight as well. Um, Rather than Chris going right into worship and, and us going up individually to have communion, I'm actually going to serve communion to you tonight. I'm just going to walk around and I ask that just to, you take one as I come by and let's spend a moment in silence and prayer. And I just want you to ask, Holy Spirit, what do you want to say to me tonight? I'm listening. And just listen for, for what he says, for what he wants to speak to you tonight. And after a moment of silence and spending some time in prayer, I'll conclude us in prayer, and then we can take the elements together. And this way, too, Chris gets to participate in communion, because I always feel bad that he's leading us in worship. (laughs) So let me distribute the elements, and we'll spend some time in prayer. Holy Spirit, speak to us. We ask you to speak to us individually, but also collectively, for we are your church. We are your bride. God, I am so thankful that you are living 
you are active, you are present in our lives. And I pray tonight that we surrender ourselves to you, that we surrender that first place position to you, Jesus. Help us to listen to you, help us to follow you, help us to obey you as our good shepherd. We thank you for your sacrifice and the authority you had to take your life back up again. And now you invite us into eternal life with you now and forevermore. We pray this in the name of Jesus.